0: It is time for now in New Japan Pro Wrestling has come to an The wish for a bright future. No doubt about it. Two great friends. Wait a minute, what the hell? Are you kidding me? Jesus Christ! No! You absolute son of a bitch! I told you, Kevin! How dare you! Switchblade is always watching! Did Tanahashi? He took his eye off the ball! Of all times! Of all places! To do this! To do this! here and now! Jay White, with the biggest
1: statement of his life, ruining this moment!
0: Hello everybody, welcome to the February edition of Post Pitoresu. I'm John Pollock, joined by WH Park. It's been a while, it's been a month, WH, and I feel that we have so much to catch up on. How are you doing today?
1: Uh yeah, I'm good. It's uh Saturday morning here in Japan right now and it's a little cold. Not not like Toronto, but it's still a little <laughs> chilly here. Do you want to know what the temperature here is, John?
0: Yes, give us give us the update on uh in Namazu.
1: In, in Namazu it's 2 degrees.
0: Damn. Here it is, well, for our for our friends that uh, prefer Fahrenheit, it is it is 13 Fahrenheit here in Toronto, which in Celsius is -11.
1: Yeah, I was listening to like you and Way talk during the, the weekend. You guys are saying minus 36, minus 20. And I've been acclimatized to Japanese winters. So I, I worry about when I make the inevitable move back to Toronto, like what's going to happen my first winter. I, I just might die. I really worry about it's,
0: that. Like this is an abnormally cold winter, even for Toronto. Like we usually get hit for, you know – Six to eight weeks of the year, it's it's really really bad, and it's this is a uh, this was a record amount of snowfall we had this past Monday in Toronto. But we digress. We're going to get uh, hate messages from people that are all complaining about how much colder it is in their part of the world than ours. So we shall move on. We have uh, lots to discuss. Uh, we are going to start off on the new Japan front. By the time most of you are listening to this, the first card. Uh, of the new beginning shows this weekend in Sapporo should be over with. And we have another one coming up on Sunday. I guess when these lineups were announced, WH, what uh, what has stood out for you? And we will go through this card on Sunday, but just uh, overall impressions of kind of the directions you see going uh, coming out of Wrestle Kingdom and into February.
1: Nothing really stood out. Everything's kind of like what I would expect them to do based on. The booking and the notion that you know, like the elite relieving Kenny's probably not signing. Who knows, like what his future, like down the line, will be if he's going to be able to like freelance for New Japan while he's signed with, I assume AEW. Um, you, you saw that the inevitable push of Jay White to like the top of the card was going to happen, uh, so him challenging Tanahashi is. You know, like, okay, that's going to happen. Whether he beats him or not, we'll see. Uh, we can talk about more of that, like, when we go through that card, though.
0: Yeah. So looking ahead to Sunday's card, we've got uh, Tohanare versus Yota Suji in the opener, followed by Manabu Nakanishi and Tiger Mask against Shota Umino and Ayato Yoshida. Rennerita, Hiroshi Tenzan against Takeshi Izuka and Takama Chinoku. As Takashi Izuka, he's on the uh, his farewell tour. Uh, Ryusuke Toguche, Tomoki Honma, Toriyano, and Togi Makabe against the Gorillas of Destiny, Taiji Shimori, and Yujiro Takahashi. Six man with Tanahashi, Okada, Yoshihashi against Bad Luck Volley, Jay White, and Chase Owens, keeping Tanahashi and Jay White, uh, attached at the hip going into Osaka. Junior heavyweight tag title match, Bushi and Shingo Takagi defending against former champions, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Evil and Sonata against Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. And the main event, the big one, Tetsuya Naito versus Taichi for the intercontinental title.
1: Yeah, it's a big show. I think it's a lot better than the, the, the show on in Osaka on the 11th next week.
0: Yeah, I think that you look at Osaka, it's it's certainly very... I think Osaka has the most interesting match with the with the main event of where they can go. But yeah, there's a lot to take from this card that I, I think has a lot of potential. Um, beyond the main event, uh, I, I can't say that is at the top of my list. But that tag title match could be something.
1: I think that's probably the most intriguing match for me. Like the junior heavyweight tag team title match, I I don't see like LIJ losing that. They just beat Kanamaro and uh, Desperado who had had the belts for like – close to what like 10 months i think and so i think they're gonna keep that um naito taichi i think is intriguing
0: because like at some point has has had good matches with with taichi i mean they had that really good one last year so i I don't think it's gonna be a dud it's going to be i I think it'll be serviceable i think it's um yeah I, i think it'll be a fine main event i think that those two they do have chemistry together well from a
1: booking standpoint you do have to get that icy belt off of uh Naito at some point, because I do think he's the, you know, the inevitable main event of one of the Tokyo Dome cards next uh, January. So at some point he has to lose that belt. I'll say this. I'm not being a huge Tai Chi fan. Obviously, most people who know me know that, but I will say I'll give him credit for stepping up. I do think it wouldn't be the worst idea if he got the belt for a short term and then lost it to somebody else to elevate that person. Um, So I'm going to predict that Tai Chi is going to win the IC title, uh, tomorrow night.
0: In wow. Bold move. Yeah. Uh, looking ahead to Osaka, um, let's start off with, with the main event. It's Hiroshi Tanahashi and Jay White. Uh, if I had asked you coming out of, well, just, uh, what do you see as the outcome here? And do you see Kenny Omega changing this outcome at all? Or do you feel that whoever is winning this match was going to be their direction all along and they're going to stay co- stay the course?
1: um, I think Jay White being in this position this soon, I still think it's really soon. Uh, it took a long time for like some other people, like Kenny Omega is a good example. It did, he didn't win the world title like immediately after he became a heavyweight. It took him a bit of a while. He had a longer journey. I kind of see that as Jay White's kind of destiny. Um, I can't imagine he's going to headline MSG because I got to think whoever is the champion coming out of next week's Osaka show is going to face the winner of the New Japan Cup because they got rid of Sakura Genesis on the calendar to make way for the MSG show so that's going to be the main event of that show is going to be an IWGP title match and and that's my guess and so I think it has to be like Tanahashi versus either I don't know Naito who might win the New Japan Cup uh, or Okada but I think Okada is going to win the G1 this year so that's why I'm saying that right now. At this point, it could change, like as we get closer to the G1. But I don't think Jay White's going to win the belt. I'd be surprised if he did. I just don't think he has enough cachet in Japan or in like North America to like kind of make people think, "Oh, that's a- oh, I'm really excited to see that match." I think if you have like Tanahashi versus Naito or Tanahashi versus Okada uh, as a main event. On American soil, that's going to – people are just going to go like
0: nuts for it and like get really, really excited more than like if Jay White was in the mix. Yeah, it's it's not going to surprise me if Jay White wins the title. I think it's it's ghetto style that when he sees someone that is that he believes in, I, I think at times it's – you do put the title on someone before they – the public has caught up to that person and has accepted them in the role. Um I'm with you on the Madison Square Garden front. I don't know what that big match is with Jay White. Other than New Japan could look at it from the standpoint, this is a sold-out show, and we're making a statement on this show that Jay White is our guy moving forward. And the only reason I am more open to this title change is the the Wrestle Kingdom outcome really threw me. I thought Okada wins a hard-fought match. Jay White is just – he is not at Okada's level yet, but he comes out of it as the promising star of the future. And I almost think that if Okada was losing, it was done for a big reason, for Jay White to go all the way, and you also have that rematch with Okada down the road as well. So um, it's not going to shock me as much. I won't say I'm completely expecting it, but it's it just seems like Ghetto is going all the way with this guy and is not going to hit the brakes at the at. At the last minute.
1: Well, I think my big problem with Jay White is I, it's not, it has nothing to do with his wrestling. I think he's an excellent wrestler. My problem is his character and it always has been like just recently, like he did the attack on Tanahashi after the Kushida match. And I just thought, what's the point of that? There's, there's no reason to do that. Like because you ch- just have that moment for Kushida, he's leaving. And I made the comment on Twitter, like, I think it feels like he's an overcooked steak. It's like, okay, this is, he's medium rare coming out of like the, the win over Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. But I think Ghetto's like, oh, we need to like cook this just a little bit more. And now it's like, okay, now he's this like cunning heel that beat uh, Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. He played it smart. He didn't cheat, nothing like that. And now he's now like this asshole again that screams too much. And I'm just like not into it at all. Like I was hoping like we turned a corner with him for me at least that he'd be like this more what I envision, like what his character should be. Um, But it's gone back to like what he was
0: before, which I'm not into at all. So he's left the, the, this is not a sandwich ranking system. Now we've moved over to steak. That's right. He's overcooked John
1: and they put ketchup on it.
0: Man, well, I, I would say, um, Several years ago, he was just your white meat babyface, but he's at least graduated to steak. So he's he has made some evolution in your meat scale. Well, dude, I I gotta say, like I
1: preferred him as a babyface in ROH. I thought that guy bring him to New Japan and let him run wild as a babyface, he would have been like so much more money, I think, than like when they brought him in as a serial killer with all those vignettes, and then he's the guy who likes to play with knives and stuff. I just like. I don't, I don't get it. Anyways, that's that's a dead horse. I've beaten that so much. Or oh, since last year, um, I'd be surprised if he wins next week. Let's just say that.
0: So you believe Tanahashi retains the title, and Naito and Okada are your likely candidates for Madison Square Garden. I could certainly see them going with Tanahashi, Okada at, at the Garden. I could see that that very likely happening. But um, where do you see for? What what do you see as Chris Jericho's role in the next six months with New Japan? We know that he is able to cut his own deals with New Japan. Whether that includes a show that is co promoted by Ring of Honor, that's an interesting question that we don't know the answer to. But where does Chris Jericho fit in all of this? I mean, his big role is to like
1: you know heat someone up, isn't it? That's all he's like. Uh, not, not that's not all he's good for. I'm just I want to say like his. The point of hiring him is to get heat on somebody, elevate them and kind of get their profile higher in the international market, in the U.S. market, like what you did with, um, Kenny obviously benefited from that two years ago. And then like Naito this past year, uh, benefited from that. So, but I, I don't see New Japan like using him that much because I can't even imagine politically how that would work if, I'm going to say that it seems like maybe New Japan is not going to do nothing, anything with uh, All Elite Wrestling. So, like, Jericho's in a program for the world title, say, and then he wants to do a uh, dates for New Japan in around the same time. Okay, you have to lose to this guy. Maybe he says, I can't lose. I'm in this program right now with uh, Kenny, with Pac, with Hangman Page. I can't lose. And they're like, well, we can't let you beat this guy at this time. You beat him already. Well, you need to get his win back and get him over. So... I think if I'm New Japan and like I'm looking ahead, I'm like, you're valuable to us. You've been very, very instrumental in helping get our brand out there. But like, we can't like work with you as easily as we did before because you have these other commitments now to this company.
0: I guess you look at it from New Japan's side is, is how, is how they're, they're viewing their, their own business this year and how. Are, are they beggars or choosers in the in this scenario? like they have lost a lot of talent here to all elite wrestling does do you put the the ego portion aside and realize for your own business that we should try and have some kind of working agreement here, or do we just draw the line now and they are running their company? We're running ours, and there's not going to be any crossover.
1: I don't think New Japan thinks of themselves as beggars of any kind. Like they'll take the loss on like not having certain talents available to them. I think what you see right now with like the kind of strengthening of alliances between not only New Japan, but New Japan and ROH with RevPro, with CMML, and then back to New Japan, like that's the nexus, right? Next, New Japan has the connection with RevPro, with ROH and with CMML. And now through that, they all have alliances with each other, with like, you know, Rush go, and maybe Mystico and, and Dragon League going to work in Ring of Honor while still doing CML dates with people from RevPro, like Zack Saber Jr., the Rev Pro champion, working uh, ROH dates. So I think that leaves, you know, all elite wrestling out in the cold because I don't see like the CML connection moving towards all elite wrestling. I don't see the Rev Pro connection moving to all elite wrestling necessarily. I think they're going to stay with. Ring of Honor, which I personally feel is more interesting because I think all the all elite guys are kind of like they've done all they can in New Japan. I'm not really interested in seeing those guys
0: work in New Japan anymore. You know, to me is 2019, so much is focused on the all elite wrestling talent and how New Japan is going to uh, fill that void and creating new stars. And to me, one of my most pressing issues is looking at Ghetto who has been booking for how long now 2011 roughly i think before that before that like they're 2000, 2008 maybe 2009 oh so well beyond what what i'm thinking like that is an incredible amount of time that he has been booking and it's it's amazing he has not hit that that burnout level yet I think a lot of it has to do with, like he does
1: work with Jado. Like, he's, he's not only his tag team partner in the ring; it's the partners behind the scenes. I think Ghetto's the main booker, where like I think Jado's maybe more the, the kind of the detailed guy. He fleshes things out for him with him, um, but Jado, but in of himself, is a terrible booker. He nearly destroyed Noah during that jump of Suzuki Gun over to Noah before they came back. The, the booking there was just absolutely garbage, and I, I have. No faith that Jado could book New Japan by himself without ruining the company,
0: like into like WCW levels, maybe. Well, I, I don't know who that person would be if Ghetto ever just said, "Hey, I'm, I've hit my limit. Uh, I'm giving my six months notice now. I need to recharge my batteries." I don't know what the contingency would be. I, I don't know who that uh, candidate would be next. And to me, that is that is something that, at, at the very least, if if I'm Harold May, if I'm New Japan. Having that succession plan that knowing that, you know, in this very, this is a company that is built on selling tickets and creating stars. They are very much in the old system of pro wrestling business that having somebody just working under the sky's wing would be, I think, imperative to the health of this company.
1: It would have to be one of the wrestlers because that's how Japan mm-hmm. does business. It's like a wrestler becomes the booker of uh, respective companies. You had that with Baba, you had that with Masawa, you had that with Choshu, and then uh, Liger booked the junior division for a long time, and then you know uh, Choshu mm-hmm. came back. The times, the period where like the the Inoki office, that early two thousand periods where there was like it was them booking stuff was you know like the the proof's in the pudding like you can see how bad that was and I think a lot of the wrestlers don't trust office people they want another wrestler to be the one who's creating their angles and their storylines and the directions that they're going in because they know what it's like to be a wrestler I don't know anyone in the New Japan roster who has creative like impulses and who's offering what input to Ghetto besides like what he does Toru Yano Toriano, who knows? That guy could be a wrestling genius for all we know. Might be. Maybe. And he could be the next, he could be the Japanese Paul Heyman for all we know. Um, <laughs> I, listen, I was, I was shocked when I heard, when I discovered that Ghetto and Jado were the bookers of New Japan for wrestling. I was like, what? First of all, they're not New Japan trueborn guys. They didn't come through the dojo system. They came from FMW. They came from through war. So it was like really, really surprising to me when I found out they were the bookers. It could be anyone, John. It could be, it, yeah. it could be Yujiro. Yujiro could be, like, uh, um, the most brilliant mind in wrestling that we don't know about.
0: It, there's always that possibility, yes. Uh, maybe Yujiro will be the guy that, that takes them into the next decade. Uh, we will see. Uh, before we move on uh, too much further, uh, this weekend as well, we've got the, the New Japan New Beginning U.S. cards as well. So they ran Wednesday night in L.A. Then they have Charlotte on Friday night and... They wrap up uh, Saturday night with a card in Nashville, and these cards have been uh, much discussed because of uh, the visa issues. The final night will be headlined by a six-man with Juice Robinson, David Finley, and Tracy Williams taking on the best friends, Chucky T and Beretta, who look to be wrapping up with New Japan, as well as Rocky Romero in the uh, Chaos versus Lifeblood elimination match in the main event. Plus, you've got Jeff Cobb and Brody King. That should actually be a lot of fun. Marty Skrull, Clark Connors. The Great Okarn versus Harlem Bravado. Uh, yeah, The Great Okarn. I hope he doesn't bring that gimmick
1: to, back to Japan. I really don't.
0: Yes, which I, I never understand, quite honestly, some of the these gimmicks that they get outside and then have to come back and play completely different characters, going back to our Jay White story, where it took him six months, I think, really to figure out this Switchblade character, and meanwhile was playing something totally different in Ring of Honor. But... That's, a, that's another rant for another time. Uh, these cards are what they are, WH. I, I don't think on, the, on their own, um, the, you know, I, I think these are good shows. The question is, if you had bought tickets in advance and you were excited for a Yuji Nagata Tomohiro Ishii, uh, there was certainly a letdown factor. And I think across the board, these were not the cards New Japan wanted to present. They were not the cards fans were expecting. But this is the situation they were left with. What were your thoughts on how all of this played out?
1: Well, I mean, as far as the visa issue goes, that's completely out of their hands. I don't blame them for that. I do blame them for like, you know, the the flow of information and the timing of it. I think it would have served them better to like get ahead of announcing the cards and saying, listen, we had planned to bring like you know, five to six Japanese talents to these shows and, and book matches for you that you we were hinting at at New Year's Dash. Unfortunately, because of the government shutdown, we couldn't get those visas processed. So like Yuji Nagata, Tomohiro Hiroki Goto, Jushin Liger, uh, Rapangi, 3K can't come. I think those were the big names that were slighted to come. Maybe a young lion was going to come as well. Who knows? Um, that would have been better, but, you know, the thing is, is like, that's six names that are missing. And yeah, you, you got lost on the, uh, Nagata Ishii match that they hinted at, at Dash. You lost the, um, Cobb match for the ROH television title. And then maybe interactions with, you know, Rapunki 3K and, and, um, Jason Liger with somebody. Um, so, but, so you have Harlem Barato, you have like Tracer X and some other people that aren't normally affiliated with, with Ring of Honor. Uh, but going forward, if this is part of the U.S. expansion is to do these kinds of like mini tours in conjunction at the same time with like the regular tours, this is what it's going to look like. Like you take away those, you add those six names, This you're still getting pretty much like 70 to 80 percent of the card that you were presented for each of the shows, like for Los Angeles, uh, Charlotte and uh, Knoxville. You, that's what you were going to get. The, so like people who are shitting on these shows I think to some degree, a, a, a high percentage of them would still shit on these shows. It's like, where's, where's Naito? Where's, you know, where's, uh, Suzuki gun? Even though, like, they were very, very clear, like, like New Japan on their website and all the press release that they did. Like, we, those people weren't going to be on these US shows. Anyone who's not booked on the New Beginning shows in Sapporo or in Osaka, are are the ones who are going to be available for the three shows in the United States. So if they do future mini tours, guess what? This is what it's going to look like. It's going to be the B crew. The people who aren't going to be on the Japan shows are going to be sent to the United States. And they could be your favorite wrestlers. They could be wrestlers you don't care about. But you're not going to necessarily get the stars. You're not going to get Naito. You're not going to get Tanahashi. You're not going to get Okada. You're not going to get Jay White. You're not going to get... You know, Zack Sabre Jr. per se on these future US tours that they're probably planning. You're going to get ROH predominantly and maybe up to maybe six to 10 New Japan guys who aren't booked in angles in Japan. So
0: if these are kind of the, you know, along with let's say six to seven uh, Japanese talents on top of this, what is What is uh, an American fan's motivation to buy a ticket to one of these shows? Because I would say I'm going to wait. If I'm someone in Toronto, I'm going to wait till Ring of Honor runs their yearly show here. They run twice a year, once with New Japan talent that are going to have bigger New Japan talent. Like, what am I going to see here that I'm not getting? I can go see Ring of Honor. Um, It seems like the big draw is to see Dojo talent that is just. I mean, you're servicing a really hardcore niche that might be curious to see how a Clark Connors is progressing. There, There is no incentive
1: unless you're like that big of a fan of the brand itself. And you guys say, I got to support New Japan. These are New Japan branded shows. They're not like Aruid shows, which maybe I don't care about. I only love New Japan. Then I got to support these shows. And then you're getting like, I don't know, Chi and Takamichinoku taking on the Briscoe brothers. You're getting uh Goto defending the ROH World
0: Title against Jonathan Gresham. That's that's what you're going to get in in the future. You're like, not that's gonna just get watering. Them. That's watering down the brand. That to me, if you can't put on like obviously the G1 show at American Airlines Center, you're getting the full New Japan experience. And if you can't do that, to me, it's it's telling you that hey, save your money for an all elite wrestling like that is. That is what you're competing with, and when someone is choosing with their dollars, like I just I don't understand. Like these cards to me, they're not making a footprint in the U.S. market. Yes, you know these tickets got off to very good sales, um, but to me, I, I don't I don't quite understand what these cards are designed to do other than get dates on certain Ring of Honor talent, get some reps in for your dojo talent, and sprinkle it in with just enough New Japan talent that you can label it as such.
1: It's publicity john it's It's like so they can run you know stories in Tokyo Sports and Weekly Perez, like oh, we had u s shows, look how important we are look like look how how great of a company we are, like we're so successful it, it a lot of it is publicity. A lot of Japanese companies run on this idea that we do things to make ourselves look better, regardless of. They're a success or not it's the perception of it right so the perception is that new japan runs branded shows in the united states they're like the press here is like presenting it it's like look how like they're the biggest company they're, they're like a global entity now you know when ultimately speaking like the, the market they care about the most is the japanese market i think These efforts are designed more to get the brand out there to, you know, hopefully expand like their subscriptions for New Japan World. Maybe they're trying to get a television deal so they can penetrate the U.S. market that way. I don't know. Like ultimately, I they've never been very very clear about what their U.S. expansion plans are.
0: I I think it's it's one that's constantly changing. Um, I don't know if they have, and and I think the loss of the elite has probably thrown a big curveball in here and. You know, certainly on a card like this, where no Kenny in normal circumstances, but this was six months ago. We know that Kenny Omega would have been booked, but you probably could have called an audible and at least gotten, you know, a Hangman Page on this show is instantly one of the biggest names on this card.
1: Yeah, I think if they had a good relationship with them, and if you know, Elite really, really wanted to like do something with New Japan down the line, they called them and said, "Hey, can we use Hangman Page? Can we use?" you know, the bucks for one of these shows. Can you do that for us? Like the globe theater would have been like natural for the bucks because it's in California. But I think that's, you know, telling about maybe the the relationship that exists right now between the elite and new Japan.
0: That said, I do look forward to seeing some of these. I was told that these should end up on new Japan world, but they're going to be on a bit of a lag, uh, somewhat like the, um, the, the UK shows that they've done. But they are supposed to, at some point, make their way up onto New Japan World. Oh, yeah. The Charlotte uh, met- show looks really good. I'm really interested in that one. Oh, there's a lot of I- interesting stuff on on these shows as well. It, it all comes down to what, what you're expecting versus what you're getting. But I think that these all look like entertaining shows. Uh, we mentioned Beretta and Chucky e. T. Uh, they look to be finishing up this weekend with New Japan. Uh, is this... What level of a loss is this for New Japan? Is this one that um, is going to be felt? Well, I mean, Beretta's more of a loss than Chuck Taylor. Um, Chuck Taylor is
1: basically Beretta's sidekick. Um, I liked him on commentary. Whenever he did English commentary with
0: Kevin Kelly, I thought
1: like he was a
0: real – Boon there, uh, in the ring, like he's fine. How, how I, many how many commentators has Kevin Kelly worked with over the past twelve months? I mean, it's got to be in the double digits. I, I think it's like ten now. <laughs> yeah, that it's guy is amazing. the chameleon of play-by-play announcers. That guy can just work with anybody.
1: He can. I, I I don't always think it works like as smoothly initially, but he he makes it work in the end. I I, I got to be honest though, like I didn't really like Andy Boy Simmons on commentary. Uh, the last round of shows like, he just kind of grated on my nerves after like 10 minutes of listening to him and I switched
0: over to the Japanese commentary did, did, did you did you flip on over to the Lanny Poffo option on NinjaPan Japan World oh, oh yeah
1: I, I watched one I think it was the second show I watched in full Lanny Poffo commentary and I was yelling at my TV pretty much 90% of the time at, at him I was like what are you saying that's don't talk about yourself you know, I, I think my favorite was he met Ricky Dozan. I think that was my favorite story of his, though. I met, he met Ricky Dozan. Yeah, I think, like, because his father knew him. Like, Angel right. Poffo knew – or someone. He knew – I don't know if it's true or not because I don't know if the age is right. He said some egregiously false things that I looked up on the internet. and I thought, is that true? Like, does the timeline work? And I, I just don't think they were true, like, half the things he was saying. He was kind of, like, just working – like his coworkers and everyone listening, I think true Carney to the end, I suppose. Um Kenta, but, oh sorry, oh. but but Beretta, yeah, let's go back to Beretta. Sorry, Beretta's a loss. I'm really surprised that, like, according to I think it was Dave Meltzer who reported this, but like, yes, he he agreed verbally to New Japan, and then I guess he got the offer from AW. And then he told them, I'm not signing, actually, with you guys. And apparently they were pretty pissed off about it, which I don't blame them. But, you know, I, I kind of side with Beretta. Like, if he got a better deal and he doesn't have to fly to Japan every like every month, then I, if I'm him, I'd take the deal that's going to pay me equal or more money and not going to have to fly overseas to a different time zone all the time. Um, I think it's a loss. I think if he didn't get injured last year, he would have been... De- Pushed really hard in the G1 and he would have had a, a better spot than he does right now. Um, but ultimately, like the, the, the big foreigners they're going with are Jay White, Juice Robinson and Zach Sabre Jr. So maybe he saw the writing on the wall for himself this coming year and decided it's a better option for me to get over and make more money
0: in AEW. Where do you see Michael Elgin fitting into New Japan's plans in 2019? He's just come back from uh, he was injured. Uh, he just worked a show here in Toronto actually um, two weeks ago.
1: I don't know. He hasn't been on any tours like since
0: uh, like he was phased down a lot last year. Uh, had a good G1. I-, I thought he had a pretty good tournament.
1: I think you have a place for Michael Elgin in New Japan. He is. Kind I, I think of, definitely you do now. For he's a kind of foreigner that you know, like that they traditionally like to book. He's very reminiscent of, like, say, Scott Norton, except, you know, like, a bit better worker, I think. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm you surprised. Think. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there are people who are Scott Norton fans. I don't want to offend them, John. Like, okay. people will be like, listen, Buff Bagwell, Scott Norton was the greatest tag team
0: ever to work New Japan tours. And I'd be like, oh, i you know. I I have never stumbled upon the Vicious and Delicious fan club.
1: Hey, I like that name, though.
0: That was a good it name. It was a good name. It was uh, a good name. Um,
1: but – Yeah, Michael Uggin, I'm surprised he hasn't, he's not working this tour. I'm surprised he's not working these USA shows. Um, I saw on his Twitter, he just said he has big news, like he's teasing some announcement. So who knows? Maybe he's, he's all in with Ali. Like, I I think they probably get along with him. So why not?
0: Uh, so Kenta, uh, Hideo Itami, he reportedly gave his notice to the WWE and wrapped up this past week after 205 Live. And it's unknown if he's officially been granted his release yet, but it is expected. And where do you see his destination point? Is it as simple as looking to where he came from and ending up back in Noah, or do you see a, a left field option of where he's going?
1: I don't know. I mean, the, the thing is with him is he? What's his condition like? His physical condition? Can he work a hard Japanese style again? He's thirty-seven um, now. He's thirty-seven. Like, you look at his peer, Marfuji Mar Like, Marfuji has stated, like, he's going to wrap things up pretty much within the next two years. He's going to retire. He wants Noah to be at a certain point, uh, like, you know, in terms of the marketplace. And then he, he says he wants to retire. He just can't take the grind anymore. Uh, and, like, you look at Marfuji his style is, like, he takes a lot of risks. He does a lot of flying. He, he's not one to shy away from, like, you know, taking massive risks and bumps to get someone else over and it catches the same way. They think the same way. He comes back to Japan. He's going to be like, I got to kill myself to like, you know, get my myself over, get my opponent over, you know, have a good match. So I don't know like what his future is. Like if, if people, I know a lot of people want him to go back home, back to Noah, but does Noah have the money for it? Like they just got new owners, but you know, I think I sent you some information that like uh, our friend Jojo Remy compiled. Like this company, yes. Lidde, LidNet, Lidnet Lidet Entertainment. Lidet, yeah. Yeah, you know they they've been involved in wrestling for a while. They were Sonata's management company when he joined New Japan at first, uh, and they were heavily involved in the DNA brand uh, under the under DDT. And uh, I think he said that they reported about sixteen point five million U.S. dollars in revenue last year which is about 35 to 40% of what New Japan recently reported for their revenue. Uh, So that's not a lot of money. You know, they, there are like stories coming out of Noah all the time that I hear about like, who's under contract, who gets paid, what, and how do they get paid? A lot of those guys are on pay per play deals. Like they get paid for every match that they wrestle. A lot of Japanese wrestlers in Noah, all Japan, a lot of the Joshi promotions, Dragon Gate. A lot of ways that they supplement income, if they're not under like a full time, you know, guaranteed contract where they get paid like a, a yearly income, is they they have to sell tickets. John, like mm-hmm. so, the company will give wrestlers a, a batch of tickets. Go sell these, and they, that's their payment. That's how they make extra money. So like a lot of times when they go to these sponsor dinners, right? The spot their their fans will take them out to dinner, and they maybe they invite their friends. They bring a lot of tickets with them, and they sell them. To the, the people that these, at, at these dinners, at these sponsor dinners, like, hey, you know, like, Masa, if he was a fan of, like, I don't know, he's a fan of Goshizaki. Hey, Goshizaki, let's go out to TGIF. Okay. He's, guess what? Goshizaki's gonna bring like 10 tickets with him. Hey, Masa, you wanna buy all these? Yes, I'll buy all of them. That's, that's how it works in Japan. So, I don't see Kenta, you know, I don't know what he was paid in WB. I don't see him coming back working like he, for he wasn't skills. selling tickets
0: to 205 lives
1: exactly and he's not gonna sell fucking tickets to like sponsors to try to make extra money that's not his role like i'm not saying everyone does that like marafuji doesn't do that i would be surprised if marafuji does that i would be surprised if like nakajima does that but i am I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if say like uh, Sushi Kotoge does that, or the Rattels do that, or it's like some other, maybe lower mid-carters in all Japan have to do that because it's part of their jobs. So I, if I'm Kenta, like I'm fielding offers from New Japan, maybe all Japan, they just signed Shuji Shikawa to a full-time deal. So yes. like, if they have money for Shuji Shikawa and Kenta like says, Hey, like, what are your options? Like I can see Akiyama because he's got the connection with Akiyama. Opening up the purse strings like, yeah, okay, what do you want? We can make that work. You don't have to sell tickets to the sponsors, okay? That's fine. I don't see him going to Noah. That's That's my big point. Like, I don't think they have the money to afford him. I think New Japan definitely has the money to afford him. I think all Japan possibly could get the money to afford him. I just don't see, like, Noah having the money because they're still struggling to fill, like, these smaller spot shows throughout the country, they do okay in Korakuen and like you know Yokohama, but outside of that, it's a big struggle for them to to make money. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I've got to say, I don't know how Kenta fits in New Japan. It just seems like an odd fit for him, especially at this stage of his career. And I'm just, I'm very surprised WWE is willing to grant him his release, um, just for. To me if I, if I'm Kenta this has been a disappointing uh, move to North America where I think he was looking at hey I'm I'm young enough that I can still have quite a great run in the US it injuries prevented any momentum getting off the ground there and you know it's it's just been a disappointing four year run since signing with WWE that if he wanted to look elsewhere um I wouldn't discount the idea of him wanting to stay over there I just would be stunned if the WWE would give him an outright release that would allow him to work for a North American competitor.
1: Uh, I think someone confirmed was, I think Sean Roth, Ross Sapp confirmed that there's a non-compete for like, like 30 days. I don't know if they are, are these things still in like in contracts, like non-compete clauses for 30 days for, for 90 days. Uh, usually it's
0: 90, usually it's 90 days. Yeah. So I,
1: if that's the case, like I can see him like looking at him, like you say, he's 37. He's been plagued with injuries. He's not someone who's ever connected with the, the audience in the WWE, so I can see them looking at him. He wants his release. He probably told them he wants to go back home, and I don't think they care if he's going to go work for All Japan or Noah. Like maybe they don't care about if he's working Japan in in New Japan. Like they just don't want him working for AEW or Ring of Honor in North America. But I don't think he's someone that they care about. I'd, like definitely Dean Ambrose is someone they don't want working for one of their North American competitors. Kenta, I, I just don't see them caring, to be honest with you.
0: I mean, look, look at the levels that they went with with Pac before they finally released him. And he was someone that just – he he just wanted to go to Dragon Gate.
1: Well, I don't know. Did they know that at the time? Maybe he didn't say that. He just said, I want to leave. And like at the time when he wanted to leave, there was well, there was Impact. There was Ring of Honor. That That was it. I mean, he could have gone to New Japan. He, I don't think I don't know if he told them what he wanted. To do. He just wanted out. I, I think they wanted to punish him for like that having the temerity of wanting to leave their company. I, I think the great thing I like about AEW is like they've started this domino effect of like people opening the purse strings and saying, OK, like we want you. This is what we're going to offer you, even including the WB. They, they're like stories of they're giving people raises. They're giving people pushes just to keep them happy so they don't leave because it's it looks bad on them especially with this impending move to like for smackdown to fox they want to have as much you know named talent on there they don't want to have noticeable competition out there so i think AEW in the in the grand scheme of wrestling is a great thing i i'm interested in seeing what their tv is going to look like i might not watch it necessarily because i can't stand most of their roster but uh, you know like there might be things here and there i will watch but i'm glad that they exist because i think they make interesting like wrestling interesting from a wrestler's point of view from uh you know like company wide like each company but especially for fans john i i love this shit it's awesome i love seeing who's gonna leave who's gonna stay who's going where like it's so exciting like this is, i haven't felt this way since like all the jumps between wcw and wf back during the monday Night
0: wars and, and the beneficiaries are the talent like that's like the like, if you are just a rank-and-file WWE talent, like, the the worst that can happen to you is that I think the floor on a lot of these downsides are going to be raised, that they just are going to try and keep people happy. Because if you're not, you can go out, and whether it's AEW, whether it's it's, you know, New Japan looking to expand, like, you've got real options at the moment, so... I think it's the talent that is benefiting from this greatly at the moment, and it's just going to be an arms race this year of all these places trying to secure talent. And then for the next wave of independent talent, that's going to have to fill a lot of spots because guys are going to be signed away, and your MLWs and other groups, your PWGs, AAW, they're going to be searching for the next wave of independent talent that I think you're going to see this system moving very quickly where you're going to see guys that it may have taken them five years to get on people's radar. Now that's going to happen in six months.
1: But, John, the big question is who's going to be signing Jack Stars?
0: Jack Stars would be on my my short list of – that guy would be on my show every week. Just dude. losing to guys. I oh I God. thought that guy was awesome this week on NXT UK. Like, the perfect squash match with Walter. Like That this, guy was awesome. Oh, he was so great. I was like, this is what this show needs is Walter. And this dude, like, you could see, no ego, knew exactly what his job was. Just die. Die for this man and look like he's killed me. And he was fantastic. Jack Stars was my, my MVP of the week. Me too.
1: I got to say, they should give a contract. Just for taking that beating from Walter and having his hand imprinted on his pasty white chest.
0: Oh, Amazing. my God. It's instant. It's instant that Walter's hand is just imprinted on this dude's chest. Who He's pale as all hell. And this chop, like it's it was just such a perfect squash match. You have to go watch this this week with Walter. So Hideo Itami is leaving WWE. Kushida is going to the WWE, wrapped up this past Tuesday with a main event with Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, as we talked about. Uh, first of all, uh, your impressions of the match. You did not enjoy the post-match angle. I, I kind of – I liked it. I thought you still got the Kushida moment at the end. Uh, but the actual match itself, what did you feel about uh, uh an improbable main event between these two? Because I don't know if they would have gotten to this singles match uh had he not been leaving.
1: I thought they the way they worked the match, which was a lot of like groundwork and working towards submissions, was very interesting like to me, like there's it seemed like there was a message being sent out to the fans and to the office from both guys on tanahashi's part. It's like, hey, I'm not just this like high impact you know dramatic wrestler, I can do wrestling I can chain wrestle with somebody, not like, you know, Kushida can, but not like Zack Sabre Jr., but he can still hang with Kushida and make it look believable. Um, he can, he has a submission move. He has a Texas cloverleaf. Like, so I, I got to think that this is like a signal that he's like telling the fans, listen, I'm not going to do the high fly flow Every time I win a match, I'm going to use a submission that is like very, very low strain on my body, low impact on my knees. So I think if he beats Jay white next week, I think there's a very, very good chance he's going to beat him with the Texas Cloverleaf um, because he's already just established that move in a big win over Kushida. For Kushida, I think he worked a really brilliant match. Like he didn't try to like outpower Tanahashi. He didn't try to like, you know, like I don't know, like out wrestle him in the sense of like you know try to um, out maneuver him or anything. Like he he tried to wrestle him and try to like work on like taking down his legs and his arms. For the hoverboard lock and like trying to negate his high flying moves, so I thought that was brilliant. I think it showed the fans, and it, I think it showed the office, like, hey, like you could have put me in a G one, like I didn't have to win it, I didn't have to get like more than three wins, but I could, I could have been in a one. I you could push me as a never champion. I could have done the the true open weight face heavyweights and junior heavyweights, and not necessarily win, but make make it look believable. I think they. Missed a chance to him on some level. Like at the same time, like I do think like he's done all he could in the junior heavyweight division. And like, you know, people say he couldn't be a believable heavyweight. I don't think he could be a believable heavyweight in the Tanahashi Okada Naito sense, but I think he could have been a believable openweight. If you if you know what I'm trying to say, like if they really push that open weight idea with the never belt, he could have been a perfect champion for that kind of a division if that's the direction they want to go with it.
0: Yeah, I've I've never been one that gets too hung up on on size. I like that's not a big obstacle for me to get over when it comes to believability. And I think that match was a perfect textbook of Kushida. I, I think he would have assimilated very seamlessly into uh, more of a, of a heavyweight role as well. And just given the, just where the industry is going that I think that there's much less of a line now between heavyweights and junior heavyweights that just the, the, the giant six foot five guys, like that's not going to be your, your standard main event guys, um, especially in new Japan. So I, I feel that Kushida, I don't know. I'm not one that is too optimistic about this career change. Uh, you can always be surprised by guys, but I, I I definitely question this move. If he goes
1: to NXT, I think he has a very good chance of getting over. I think they would utilize him Immediately. to his best strengths. You put him in there with like Kyle O'Reilly and the Undisputed Era. You put him in there with Ricochet. All guys he's had matches, amazing matches with in New Japan um he'll like he'll do really well 205 live he'll do well just no one will see these matches cuz no one watches 205 live uh main roster i have no hope that he's going to do well i think he'll probably be saddled as like nakamura's like uh, buddy or something they'll give him some stupid gimmick like that and he's just going to be a jobber to like get everyone else over so like his best bet is to go to NXT i
0: think the best you could hope for on the main roster is like an alliance with Ray Mysterio, they're like a, a makeshift tag team. Um, you know, put him on TV for a, a a main event one week with Daniel Bryan to really establish him. Like that's kind of to me the ceiling of where he goes. But it's, I think it's an uphill battle for him over there. And uh, despite how he looks, not the not the youngest guy either.
1: No, like he's what thirty in his mid thirty six. Thirty six, yeah. I mean, like, what I would love to see is, like, they get Tozawa off, you know, 205 Live and, like, maybe if they're going to do something, put those two as a tag team. I I love the tag team of Hideo Itami and Akira Tozawa, as short-lived as it was. I thought, okay, send them back to NXT and have them work in the tag division. That would be amazing. Like you know, Tsukishida, it doesn't have to be Tisawa, it could be anyone else, but like, I think aesthetically because they're both Japanese, yes, but also like, you know, their gear is similar, their their styles are similar, that they would be a really good tag team together. Um, if I was him, I would have just said to New Japan, listen, like, I want to go to ROH. You give me a contract that makes me, lets me allow me to work there most of the time and I'll still do dates in Japan for like Best of the Super Juniors and like big shows. But, you know, and then I like, New Japan, like uh, ROH has no problems opening up the purse strings. They got Rush. Rush, sorry. They got Bandito. They got Haskins. You know, all these people are under contract. Like, I can't believe that like, ROH didn't make it any effort to try to sign Kushida to a full-time contract that allowed him to still work New Japan.
0: Uh, we talked about Noah being sold. Um, you know, I guess we'll see where things go with Noah, if are you expecting wholesale changes here to the promotion with this, or do you see it largely um, being small minor changes over the long run?
1: Well, they said uh, that in March they're going to change the mat from the, the traditional
0: green to a. Different what an color. awful idea. Yeah, I awful think it's terrible.
1: Idea. I think it's just part of their identity like and they said like it's to get away from the shadow of Misawa. Like they they want to really change,
0: move the brand away from being so closely associated with him. But if you take that away, this is a this is like a minor indie that draws three hundred people at, at most shows. If you take away the Masawa lineage, I, I think well, like what a what an awful idea to like take yourself away from that. It'd be like the Toronto Maple Leafs stating. Oh, we haven't won a Stanley Cup in so long. It's just such a shadow over us. So we're, you know what? We're get, we're gonna be the we're gonna be the the Toronto construction workers, and our new colors are are uh, orange and neon yellow. I would love to see that, John, for the meltdown that would occur if that happened. It's just the, the history is too much. It's too great of a legacy. Has anyone in the history of wrestling ever said, "Oh, Noah, oh Masawa's old group." nobody says that no I don't see- nobody nobody looks at that as some stain on the on the pro wrestling Noah name like that it's so synonymous like he was he was Noah that led these these men onto the ark and left new J- and left all Japan yeah I agree with you I think it's such a dumb idea um maybe I don't even know what the color
1: they're gonna sacrilege like, that's what it is it's sacrilege it's gonna make it what, a white mat? I don't know that's so boring um like people are saying well you know like you know all Japan changed it from that you remember the Old All Japan design was like a cross section of one side was blue, one side was red. When they yes. got rid of that, people apparently like freaked out, but they got over it. But this is completely different. Um, as far as the booking goes, uh, like Kiyomiya retained his title over Kitamiya uh, this past week, and I think ah the fifty Funky Powers, Quiet Storm, and Muhammad Yone beat the Hooligans. And they're coming out with a storyline where uh Takashi Segura is, like, really tired of the hooligans' bullshit, which is probably echoing the sentiment of all the fans. And him and uh Akitoshi Saito are going to take on the hooligans in a tag match. And if they win, the hooligans have to disband. But if Segura loses, he has to become their slave, which sounds like a horrible fucking idea. Welcome to the new Noah. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, Mara Fuji challenged, uh, Kiyomiya for the next title match, which I think is in
0: Yokohama. Did, did they announce a date
1: for that? Uh, let me check here. I,
0: is this for March? This is for March.
1: Yeah. It's for, I think it's for the Yokohama show in March. And the, and the other big news that I'm really excited about is that, uh, Asushi Katoge is going to challenge for the tag titles with Eddie Edwards is coming back to Noah, yes. which I'm very excited about, John.
0: I hope he brings his impact character so you can get up to date on what he's been doing. No, no, I don't. His kendo stick. I
1: don't want to see hardcore Eddie Edwards. I want to see like, I want to see wrestling Eddie Edwards. I don't want to see this bullshit skinny jean wearing backwards cap hat wearing goofball that talks to his kendo stick and is having marital problems. Leave that shit at impact. Bring proper wrestling tights. Eddie Edwards back to uh, Noah and I'll be happy.
0: Did you miss the week where he broke out of the uh, the insane asylum and he ran into the impact zone in a gown? John, I don't watch Impact outside of like you know
1: LAX matches and like the Rascals. I I don't watch Impact at all.
0: Well, he is going through a character transformation now, where Eli Drake is trying to pull him away from the hardcore uh, the hardcore wrestling style. And get him back to the old Eddie Edwards, so maybe the storyline will coincide with him coming back uh, as the old Eddie Edwards when he goes to nona
1: well time. the 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 thing is is you know you know kotoge's character is crazy, right he wears the cape and he's like runs around and he's saying he's a revolutionary hero for what i I don't know I don't know if he's part of the yellow vest movement over in France or anything like that, but you know like he he wears a cape i I, I don't usually like goofy shit in Japanese wrestling, but I have to say, I, I really love Kotoge's cape gimmick. So I'm a little worried that, you know, Eddie's going to kind of try to match Kotoge's crazy character by bringing, you know, hardcore Eddie Edwards over to the, uh, to the, to the Green Ring or soon not to be Green Ring, you know. Uh,
0: a topic you wanted to discuss. We've got a few more here. Uh, women's wrestling in New Japan. This has been discussed heavily over the past month. Uh, you give us your perspective on, on this and, New Japan's decision uh, not to have uh, female wrestling talent.
1: I don't think it's actually an active decision that they make. They just never had women's wrestling on their shows, like as a like having a full time division. They've had like exhibition matches on their shows, but my my perspective and my opinion about this whole debate, and I, I don't think it's a ridiculous debate. I think it's worth talking about because, like you know, women's wrestling. Has grown so much worldwide in North America, in Europe, and and has always been a big thing in Japan. But my my, my feeling is this: if tomorrow New Japan had a press conference and they said we're going to start a women's division, uh, not right now. We're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna open up a dojo for women's women's uh, women's wrestlers to come. We're gonna recruit them from collegiate wrestling teams from. Uh, you know, different back uh, athletic backgrounds and we're going to train them for a year. And we're going to hire like one or two um, freelance women out there. I, I would pick like Hiroyu Matsumoto who was in the Meijang Classic this this past year. I would pick uh, another indie wrestler would be like uh, Hikaru Shida. She's really good. Like, so those two, they're the, the they're the trainers and they're going to be part of the roster when it debuts within a year's time when we give it. And in that time, we're going to figure out how we're going to integrate this division into our cards this is we're going to come up with ways to create uh maybe their own tournaments and like they're going to have their version of the g1 we're going to have titles for them we're going to have a singles title we're going to have a tag team title for this women's division in japan if that's what they said tomorrow i would have absolutely no problem with that because what i don't want to see is them poaching from existing joshi groups in japan because I think you'll find that most Joshi wrestlers don't feel like they need to go to All Japan, New Japan, NOAA, DDT. Um, and here's the other thing. I think a lot of people who are, who are like, you know, get angry about the fact that New Japan doesn't have a women's division. Um, they, they don't take into account that there is a rich history of all women's promotions existing in Japan for many Many, many years. And for the most part, they are successful on their own without having the need to be attached to, a, like, a, a, one of the bigger promotions, like, that are traditionally men's promotions.
0: Yeah, I I, I think that you'd be astounded to know how many, like, wh- how many Joshi promotions there are in operation at the moment. And, you know, even looking at something that if New Japan were, as as you said, to announce, you know, the opening of a dojo – like, what, what would, what would the long term effects be on talent that would go through that system? And that is how you get into wrestling. If you're a female, is going through that dojo system that inevitably it would become very difficult to, to have talent for all these other companies. And yeah, there's many that, yes, if New Japan wanted tomorrow to grab all of this talent, there is that concern. Like, what effect would that have? It would be very much like, the, the WWE in the territorial days taking away a lot of big stars for their national promotion and the impact it would have on those territories.
1: Here's the other thing, John, like in your pers- – your, your, from your point of view, like you look at the WWE, you go to like um, any shows that feature women's wrestling. Do you, you think the audience is just the same, right? Like for men's wrestling and for women's wrestling, the audience is completely the same in North America?
0: I would say so. Yes. Okay.
1: So I'm going to relate a story to you that I think is going to illustrate the point I'm going to make now. So on January 3rd, I was hanging out with Chris Harrington, who was formerly of the WrestleNomics podcast and is now affiliated with All Elite Wrestling. We had like content. Wait, they they didn't sign you, did they? He was trying to recruit me, but I said, listen. To design ring gear? I said, listen, I got I got a prior commitment to post-wrestling. If you can match stickers and a hat. Maybe I'll sign, and they couldn't match it, John. So, so you get to keep that, me. that
0: big AEW money.
1: That you get, you get to keep me, John. Like they weren't opening the purse strings up for me, unfortunately. But it's okay. So we went to two shows. We went to Cork and Hall for um, an all, the all Japan show featuring a match we're going to talk about a little later. Uh, Kai and Kentomirha, and the, one of the things Chris said to me was, "You know, there's a lot of women at this show," and I go, "Uh huh," and he's like there's more women at this show than I would normally see at an indie show in, a, in the States or at a, maybe a major WWE show. Like there's a lot of women here. He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Me and like, so also Jojo Remy was there and we were both like, yeah, this is normal. But like, there's a lot of women at these, at wrestling shows. He goes, how how is it for New Japan? And we're like, yeah, there's more women at New Japan show. And, and it's like, is this normal? It's like, yeah. But like all Japan has a lot of women. New Japan has a lot more women in the audience. Toriyama and Dragon Gate has is the ones who started all this, have a lot of women at their shows. And then later we went to Shinkiba First Ring and where we watched Stardom. And he he beforehand, Chris asked me, Hey, is the audience the same? Is There all the women at, at the Joshi show, at the stardom show. And I was like, Yeah, you know what? You'll see for yourself. And then we get there, he's like, There's no women here. I go, No. There's like maybe there's like Maybe it was full. So I'm going to say, and there's a lot of foreigners there, John. So like a lot of, there were women, foreign women there. But if we we're talking about Japanese women, I'm going to say out of like 300 people, there's like maybe mm, five, <laughs> like women who are like natives who go to these shows regularly. Um, it's a very, very small percentage. Joshi attracts men, predominantly men from the ages of, I'm going to say 25 to like, 60 as their core audience, as their the people that they're drawing from, Uh New Japan, All Japan, you know DDT, um, and and like Noah, it's predominantly men. But I'm gonna say the ratio is more closer to you know 55 to 45. Like it's not exactly half, but it's not like a big gap. So y- these people who complain about New Japan having <laughs> No, no women on their roster. L- listen, the, the the marketplace for Joshi wrestling for women's wrestling in Japan is completely different from men's wrestling in Japan. And the other thing is is that like there's one company that has their own dedicated women's division. That's DDT. They have Tokyo Joshi Prores. And the thing is, is that that's a separate group. They bring like talent from. Tokyo Joshi Pro ProRes into um into DDT shows for like their 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 Sumo Hall show for like some of their like bigger Korkin shows. That but they don't bring the whole roster over. They don't divide the shows into half. It's like maybe two or three matches on a ten match card is like are dedicated Mm -hmm. to Joshi wrestling. So this is not the culture where you kind of want to impose your values, like Western values onto like their culture. For one thing, the women don't want it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say probably most Joshi wrestlers don't want to be integrated into like fully into a into a, a mainstream men's uh, promotion. They like being stars of their own promotions and really controlling their own destinies for the large part.
0: Do you think that New Japan is is missing something specifically for their U.S. cards by not going that direction?
1: No, I I don't think. I've never heard, like, a significant portion of New Japan fans on social media talk about wanting to s- see women on their shows. Not because they hate women's wrestling, but because they can see women's wrestling on their own. Like, here's the thing. I, Stardom's going to do a show in during Mania Weekend in New York City, right? That, I, yeah. that show hasn't sold – I think that show's already sold out.
0: I think it's sold out right away if I'm not mistaken.
1: I think if they did two shows – both that, a second show would sell out easily, you know. Like because I think what they should do if they want to do that is work in conjunction with a Joshi promotion. Then say like, can we? We want to bring like six six Joshi wrestlers, not necessarily from Stardom. Could be from like Sendai Girls. Could be from Marvelous. Could be even from like Oz. Whatever. Like like or like some freelancers and say we let's just have some exhibition matches on our shows. But no, I don't think they're they're missing out on anything because i don't think it makes that much of a difference i think most u.s fans are just happy to support the brand as is evident by these like three shows that are happening this this weekend so no i i i don't i'm not opposed to like if new japan wanted to do it i don't think they have to do it mm-hmm.
0: all right let's uh let's wrap up with just a few final ones here we've got the uh, the giant baba memorial show uh, that's coming up on February the nineteenth. They have not announced if this is going to be airing anywhere. Oh. Do you have any uh, oh, they, they, insight into this? WH? I think
1: they're airing it on NTV and on um, Samurai. Okay, so uh, I will be able to see these, and uh, I'll get you a copy of it at some point. Wink, wink. This, no, I this is this w- is uh, not nefarious at all. Like,
0: no, you know? no, this is all on the up and up. <laughs> uh, so let's. Uh, I won't go through the whole card here, but the. Headliner, we've got Hiroshi Tanahashi and Yoshitatsu, uh, who I think uh we know <laughs> what his role in this match will be versus Kento Miyahara and uh, Daisuke Sekamoto. And man, do you think they can follow Mil Maskris and Dos Karas?
1: Uh against Kazahashi and Nosawa? Uh, I don't know, like I don't know if like Tanahashi's on a level of uh Nosawa This is a Haku.
0: wild show, by the way. Like this is just this is an eclectic mix.
1: Dude, there's like Mara Fuji and Jinzei Shinzaki taking on Masaki Mochizuki and Shin Skywalker from Grand Gate. That, that's going to be crazy. Uh, yeah, this is a wild card. Um, the main event...
0: is it's Sushi Onita's on this thing in a Tornado Bonk House deathmatch.
1: <laughs> I think that's a typo. I, the, the copy I have has bunkhouse, House, but I'd rather see a Bonk House match. Um, yeah, that's, that's the participants. The, the Onida's in that. Hideki Suzuki. Uh, Kendo Kashin. Great Kojika, who's like seventy years old. He's the owner of Big Japan Pro Wrestling. Shijishikawa, Mitsuyo Nagai, Hikaru Sato. That's a weird, weird match. My, I think the match. Oh, man,
0: I'm looking for Ishikawa and Onita, just to see those two lock up. That'll be something.
1: But dude, the three way tag match: Sonata and Bushi taking on Jake Lee, Koji Iwamoto, and Shota Umino and Ayata Ayata, Hosh... uh, Ayata Yoshida. Holy shit, that's gonna be amazing.
0: Um, Even dude, like uh, this this six man. I mean, we're gonna get Nagata and Akiyama in there together. It's Akiyama, Takeo Mori, and Okea versus Kojima, Nagata, and Osamu Nishimura. That could be fun. Oh, that'd be fun. Just with some of the Akiyama, you know, Akiyama in there with any of those guys should be
1: uh, Nish- entertaining. It's Nishimura reuniting with like his New Japan guy because he used to be a New Japan
0: dude. So it's gonna be a good show. Like I, I, I think that I, I like I love whenever they do stuff like this. Like these just. Uh, dream scenarios or just you know guys that you just uh never think you're going to see some of these combinations and stuff like this this will be a very fun card dude
1: tanahashi and miyahara oh my god (laughs) i'm so excited to see
0: them interact with each other i think it'll be amazing yeah i'm just uh I'm, i'm scanning uh this giant baba memorial battle royal with with special referee mighty Inoue yeah
1: that's that looks something. horrible actually that's that would be like <laughs> if i was going to this show i'm not unfortunately it's on a monday so i can't go um because i have to work but if i was going and like i'd probably be going with jojo he said
0: I, it's on a tuesday it's on a tuesday I, oh is it
1: i still can't go i gotta work oh. uh i i think i tell jojo hey, we could we can stay longer at the tonkatsu restaurant in uh in uh ryo but we don't have to go to the, the battle royal necessarily um yeah, it's a good, it's a, it's a very interesting card. The six man tag team match after the Battle Royal, Yuma Aoyagi, um, who's, he, who's an all Japan wrestler. He's in next Stream with, um, uh, Naoya Nomura. He has this like kind of weird storyline going on with Taichi. I think he did some Lion Gate shows and like Tai Chi beat him, beat him up in those shows. And like every time they can get these two on it, like an independent show, they try to book them like together in a match and it's one of like jojo's favorite storylines in all of japanese wrestling and i and i gotta agree with him it's very intriguing at some point yuma oyagi has to beat taichi maybe for the intercontinental title and then that will begin the crossover of all japan
0: and uh, new japan again maybe will the magician gimmick result in Chi disappearing
1: with the title
0: <laughs> maybe
1: <laughs> yeah he'll sell it like to pay for his alimony or something i don't know
0: Oh, well you and I should definitely uh watch this show and then we'll we'll chat about it the next time we do a show together. Yes, for but sure. Just the we, we got to review this show. Uh one thing I want to ask you about cuz I just want some more details on it. I know kind of the uh the bits and pieces of it uh but Takamichinoku's uh he finished up with Tai dojo uh amidst a, a scandal can you just uh inform everyone what exactly went down here that led to Takamichinoku uh leaving k dojo
1: so k dojo is his company that he formed when he came back to japan after he left um wwe and like it's a training school as well as being a small promotion in of itself um so he, he's a freelancer for New Japan. He's not a New Japan contracted wrestler. He's in there through his relationship with Minoru Suzuki, who is legit one of his best friends and, you know, is, you know, takes care of him and brings him along to pretty much every promotion uh, he works in since the time they worked together in uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, so there's many tabloid magazines in Japan, John. You know, and one of them is called, I think, Flash. And Flash broke the story that Takamichi Noku was having an extramarital affair with uh, some young lady who apparently was quoted as saying that he is quote a groovy gentleman." That was the English translation that I saw. What that means, I don't want to speculate. I'm not going to speculate. Like leave that up to what you want to think. Groovy gentleman means maybe he's just
0: he's he's a fun date. Sure. Likes to go cosmic bowling.
1: Yeah, maybe in the soon to be closing Hakata Star Lanes, he likes to take our bowling <laughs> there. Uh,
0: what a wonderful tie-in.
1: <laughs> uh, but um so like this is this is something that's embarrassing to Kei dojo because he's their founder. He's on the board directors, he's the head trainer of their school, which has produced some amazing talent. Like most notably recently, Ayato Yoshida, but there's also like people like Yuji Hino is one of his trainees. Kengo Mashimo, is one of his trainees. Uh, he also trains a lot of women, including uh, one, a young, very good up-and-coming young Joshi wrestler named Ayami Sasamura. She's, keep an eye on her in like, different Joshi promotions. Um, so it's a big loss to them. He didn't get any like penalty from New Japan, it seems, because he's not a contracted wrestler. When Taichi went through the same thing, he was caught having an affair. They... New Japan docked his pay and they kind of punished him, suspended him for a short time. And then they brought him back pretty quickly. I can see this not lasting with Taka. Like I can see them bringing him back, but his punishment was like, he was going to be paid for a year and um, he was kicked off the board directors of K-Dojo. And um, it was funny because like a couple of months earlier, he put out a tweet saying to like different wrestling promoters in English, he said, please don't ask me to, work your shows. Don't make me offers because I don't want to fly. I don't want to leave Japan. I just want to work in Japan. And then after his pay got suspended for a year, he went on Twitter and he said, Hey, are there any US or UK promoters who want to book me? I'm open to uh, flying to your shows now. So it's pretty serious that he's going to, you know, get over his aversion to traveling by plane to go to these countries now that he didn't want to do shows for like, but like a month or two before. Um, but in the long run, he, I think this was too much for him, maybe. And he just said, okay, I'm leaving. I'm going to devote myself full time to probably New Japan and then working freelance shows for like maybe smaller promotions like DDT or um, probably All Japan, anyone who New Japan doesn't have a big problem with.
0: Right. So you, you see him doing a lot more dates now as a result of this.
1: I see him in the ring. I, I, what, what I would hope is that, like, Zach gets him to go to, like, the UK with him and becomes his hype man over there as well in Rev Pro And, uh, like, if they go to, like, work for, like, uh, what is that, White Wolf Wrestling over in Spain, bring Taco yep. along. Get him some matches there and then, like, he does your introduction in, in, in Japanese in, in Spain. That would be awesome, dude.
0: Could be. I, I think he's great in that role with Zach. I think that that's such a great um, act that those two have together.
1: I think it would translate very well into like outside of Japan, like in the UK, in ROH. Like if like, Zach brings Taka out and Taka just does his random production instead of Bobby Cruz and, 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 in Jap- and Japanese, completely in Japanese, I think it would, it would be such a fun aspect to Zach's like, character and his, his whole act.
0: My final question, uh, you know, excluding Wrestle Kingdom because there were some, some big candidates there. Did you have a, a match of the month and a performer of the month for January?
1: Oh, um, I'm going to say uh, there's two. So the match of the month is uh, Kento Miyahara versus Kai for the Triple Crown on January 3rd at Corrigan Hall. Um, I thought that match was as good as any of the top four. Matches of Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I thought it was better than Jericho Naito. I'm not gonna say it was better than, um, the main event, but I'm gonna say it's close to being as good as Okada J. White. And if I, w- I have to watch it back still on tape. I saw, I was there live for it, but maybe it's gonna edge out Okada versus White for me in- when
0: I watch mm. it back. I, cause I, I- Here's the thing. I, I can see it being, uh, being at that level when you watch it. Like it's – and to me, my, my biggest takeaway, Kyohei Wada is the best referee in, res, in wrestling, period. Yes. Uh, uh, just the best big match referee.
1: When they announced this match on, no one thought – like including myself. No one thought Kai had any chance of winning the Triple Crown. But by God, like I'm watching this. I'm there live and there are points. There are at least three different points where I thought he's going to win the belt. That's amazing. That's pro wrestling at its finest, John. So these guys worked their match perfectly where I thought, you know, or I deluded myself into thinking that Kai was going to become the Triple Crown Champion and beat Kento Mirara. So my hat's off to Kai. He's my performer of the month because he he worked the best match of his career so far. He made me believe that he would actually win that belt when I knew, knew, Front of my mind, back of my mind, middle of my mind that he had no business ever holding that belt, you know. But he made me believe that he could possibly win it at least three different times in that match. So kudos to him.
0: Yeah, and uh, Miyahara's next title defense is February 24th against Suwama. And that same card has uh, Daisuke Sekimoto and Yuji Okabayashi defending the tag titles against uh, Ryoji Sai and Jake Lee. On that's, the All Japan card,
1: that's going to be a banger. Did you watch the title change, the Violence Giants against uh, Strong
0: BJ? I haven't seen the match yet. No, but I, I've heard people rave about it. That's on the list, John. Do you like big boys wrestling and hitting each other really hard? I know I'm going to enjoy this. I know, uh, like everyone has has raved about this match. Um, Some saying it, it was better than the the than the match with with Miyahara and Kai. So we will see. We'll see.
1: I, I I wouldn't say that, but it's pretty good. I I, I do highly okay. recommend it.
0: So level the expectations. All right. I, will, I, I am planning to, wa- to watch that one. All right. That's going to wrap up the show for this month. Uh, but I want to give a big shout out to WH's excellent piece that we have up on the website right now uh, profiling the top 10 Japanese wrestling venues that he has attended. It's called Journey to the Center of Puroresu. And this thing is phenomenal. It has drawn great praise from everybody that has read it. It is up on the main page at postwrestling.com. dot uh, com. WH, you might be the breakthrough writer of the year in two thousand nineteen. You are you are putting together some phenomenal work. Oh, thanks, John. It's
1: you know, it's, it's something I, I like to do, you know, like I like to think about, you know, things that interest me about wrestling and like, you know, if if it catches my imagination enough, I'll like try to put you know, put it to paper. And this came along really well because, like, I just, I was just thinking about, like, like, I told you before, I had the bucket list of places I want to go, and I was able to fulfill that bucket list, uh, for the most part last year. There's a couple of places now that I'm trying to go to this year. Like, one is Osaka Joe Hall. If people are wondering, what about uh-huh. Osaka Joe Hall? I haven't been there yet. Uh, Shinjuku Face, I haven't been there yet. So those are two, the two big places I want to go to. Um, Dominion. KBS Hall in Kyoto.
0: Like, this thing just looks beautiful.
1: It's, it's amazing, and like the thing is, John. It's like if you see it from the inside, outside it's like where is this gorgeous cathedral that this this <laughs> this this arena is in? It's like uh it's this industrial. It's this it's this building right here. It's a, this two story building looks like you know the the North American offices of like uh, Xerox, like the, the the Toronto office of Xerox. It's it's, it's right here.
0: Really? Yeah. I, I know I know it wasn't your number one, but it was the photo I had to use for the main photo. Oh it's yeah. Just, it's breathtaking.
1: By the way, all those photos except for the exception of one photo, all those photos are mine. I took all of those photos. So
0: Look at you. Covering our ass.
1: Yeah, like, don't don't at me and say, Hey, give me credit. If I there's one picture, I'm not gonna say which one it is, but if there's one picture that someone says that's my picture, let me know. I will credit you. Like I
0: These are so. These are beautiful photos, uh, great article. I just want to give everyone, uh, yeah, mention to go check that out. I, I just, I loved reading this. I love reading about uh, arenas and venues, and yeah, you, you did a really great job of just describing all of them. It's, it's made uh, this, this highly probable trip to Japan. Like this is a, uh, I want, I want to make it to like at least two of these, two of these for sure. Shinkiba. We'll see. You you know better than me of what what's doable in a a short amount of time. There, I mean, I, I do love I do love your rundown of the Tokyo Dome. Like, all right, it's the Tokyo Dome. It's fine. You could do better. It's not my favorite place to watch wrestling, John. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. I I'm not a fan of big stadiums. Like it, your description of me, it's like the Sky Dome, which is my only comparison. It's like it's this big giant warehouse. There's no ambience to it inside. It's just it's just a big giant stadium. That's it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed shows at, uh, you know, Cops Coliseum more than I've enjoyed shows at the, the Tokyo Dome. I mean, the, the matches are good, and that's why it's on the list. It's Tokyo Dome. It has to be on the list. And it's, you know, it's hosted so many amazing matches that I've seen live. But it's not the most enjoyable experience. Like, the most enjoyable experience is and Hall. I John, if if this trip comes, we'll, I'll take We can do, in one day, we can do and Hall and we can do Shinkipa. The thing is, oh boy. I will not, I, I will make sure we don't see a deathmatch at Shinkiba because we will just be covered in class like two. And I don't want that. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. So we'll go see like Joshi or we'll see All Japan or DDT at like Shinkiba
0: if, if we well, can. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell Wei that we need the full experience and we'll send him to the deathmatch show and he can report back. He
1: to can us. take his nephew. <laughs>
0: His nephew would love it. <laughs>
1: his, I remember he said his nephew loves death wrestling.
0: He did. He did. He's like he's not a wrestling fan, but he loves death matches. But John, so. if we
1: can see a big Japan show like at Corican, we should definitely do
0: that. <laughs> hey, I'm in. I'm in. Like when I'm going, like this is very much. It's a wrestling trip, so I am. I am down for for all of it. we, we, so. can, we
1: can hang out with Dave at uh Totokan. I I, got, I heard he really loved going there.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I've heard. I had some other friends there who who went there, and it was just, yeah, if you've never been there, it just sounds like, like wrestling heaven if you're a collector of any sort.
1: Definitely. Mouth would love it. Mouth would go nuts oh, there.
0: absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to bring an end to this, uh, this lengthy show. WH, always great doing these shows with you. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll chat about the, the giant Baba memorial card and whatever else is going down and where Kenny Omega ends up. What is your wild prediction, W.H.? Uh, he's going to find his
1: phone in uh, Jacksonville. Is that where their, uh, the press conference Vegas. is? In Phoenix. Vegas. Uh, yeah, if he's probably – oh, Vegas. Okay. He's going to show up in Vegas, find his phone and say, hey, oh, it's in Vegas. I thought I left it outside the Tokyo Dome.
0: How about this? Does Kenny Omega wrestle one match for New Japan in 2019? One match.
1: No. If he's with AEW – Or WWE by some stretch of the imagination, no. I I don't think – unless it's on U.S. soil, unless it's Madison Square Garden, if he somehow gets his way onto that show, which I don't think he will, I don't see him wrestling for New Japan this year.
0: Well, that will probably be the big news coming up next week is – kenny omega's landing spot for wh park i am john pollock you can follow wh at wh park nine that is the number nine and go check out all the latest news at postwrestling.com. Wei waiting and i will be back on sunday and we're going to be going through the new beginning cards that are going down this weekend in sapporo until next time thank you for listening